Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes we achieve outstanding pairings, and other times we give ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm one of your co-hosts here. I'm Dave Gurney, and I'm excited to be here this week with Joe Hilliard. And Carlos Cooper. As always. And hey, boys. guys, I'm excited. This is a fun day. It's a pre-noon. It's a Sunday. It's, it's a Sunday fun day. It's a pre-noon recording. Yeah. The weather is beautiful. It the is The light's coming day. through the window. I can't wait to drink beer with you guys. Joe, I know you brought something exciting yeah, yeah, this to the is, table. Uh, these are, I'm going to do two beers. We're gonna, we are going to do two beers from the same brewery today, both IPAs, a variation on that theme. Um, I will, let's, let's get it in our glass first. This is Lost 40 Brewing out of Little Rock, Rock, Arkansas. But I did. we did not go to Little Rock, Arkansas, so I have uh, picked this up at a liquor store on the way out of Arkansas because it... Well, the beer first, right? Yeah. Uh, My glass is proper dirty today. <laughs> Lost 40 Brewing is deeply rooted in Arkansas, they say. We take our name from the historic storied forest that stands on 40 acres of Arkansas's last truly virgin soil in Calhoun County. We aim to craft beers as unwavering, wild, and uniquely Arkansas as the land itself. So I've got a hazy IPA that I brought back for this first half. This is their Trash Panda Small Batch Project. Digging the nose on this, digging the name. They say that it's juicy and tropically fruity. It is a hazy at 7.2% IPA. That is a hefty IPA. It really is. They're not calling it a double. We might... I feel like when we talk about ranges, we're somewhere north of six for an IPA. But once you get over seven, usually you start calling it a double, right? Double, yeah. And then over eight is a triple. Yeah, or imperial. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of haze from heavy hopping and a fruity, hazy yeast. Rich and full-bodied, loads of hop flavor and aroma, big tropical fruit and stone fruit flavors. I didn't even try this beer while on the trip. I was just desperate to buy some Arkansas beer on the way out of the state when I'd really had... <clears throat> Excuse me. No opportunity to do so, yeah. because the the craft beer scene in Arkansas is, for lack of a better word, hidden. Well, the, it, it was difficult to find yeah. local beers. I, we well, didn't you go, weren't, and you weren't in cities either. You weren't going to like Little Rock. Hot or, Springs was the largest city. Hot yeah. Springs population is about half the size of the city that we live in. Okay, and there were. Local beers or regional Arkansas beers on tap, and I enjoyed as many as I could find. But there were no, I couldn't find bottle shops, convenience yeah. stores, et cetera, et cetera, that were carrying, you know, things Local that we can't get right here in town. Mm. Well, I got to say, loving the color. Loving Good nose, the, as the I nice, said. Yeah. Um, nice head on it. Yeah. You know, when really when you travel, one. sometimes it's fun. I mean, not sometimes, every time for me, it's fun to grab up local beers, bring them home, share them with your bros and, and girlfriends. So uh, I'm glad well, that I could bring these. Yeah. Um, but it's not as if I had some kind of elaborate relationship with this on the trip. I was just picking up Arkansas beers on the way out of the state. Well, that's often, I, I mean, depends on the kind of trip you're on. But you were up there, you know, that was like a quick jaunt, right? Two, three, four days in the state? We were four nights there. Okay. And the last two nights, we were in the middle of the Ozark Mountains. Isolated. 30 miles away from the closest anything. (laughs) Sorry? Did you run into Jason Bateman? Well, I'd learned about the Ozark Mountains that they are, you know, a large, it's a large ridge that is not just in, uh, the southern Arkansas part is a little less famous, quote unquote, Uh than what would be north of it in the state that's just north of Arkansas. Yeah. 
It's it that I can't remember because <laughs> I didn't go there. Uh, that's okay. Is it Missouri? Well, where, it goes yeah, into Missouri. Iowa? Okay, for sure. So that Iowa? I think was, no, Iowa is too far. To, Missouri is where I think um, the Ozark yeah. series takes place. Yes, yeah. the setting of it. Yeah. But we were in those arcs. Well, well, I'm excited that you brought it back. That's often, I feel like if you're in a place only for a couple days, really in like the sit- city area, uh-huh. it, it can be tough. Like you to make the time to track yeah. down a proper bottle shop. And we did find out. a distillery. Yeah. We did find a mezcal bar. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, plenty of drinking, well, gotta, not, yeah, not, that lot, not a lot of beer. Yeah. yeah. Very you cool. know what happens. Uh, well... I you know I think that I think we've got a lot to discuss here, uh, so let's just get straight into mm-hmm. the film. Um, Delicious. We oh, spoiler. Alert. Sorry, <laughs> we are a spoiler podcast though. Um, so we are uh, tackling a film that you know kind of came out a little while ago. Just now getting around to it, given all the year end stuff that we had to contend with. If you didn't listen to the episode from two weeks ago, our best of 2021, go back and listen to that. You got to. But yeah, we're talking about Scream 2022, technically Scream 5, not titled Scream 5. Uh, The first one to not have the number following the Scream title and as far as the sequels go. Mm -hmm. What, what What would you expect for a requel? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which, which I'm sure we'll get into. Oh, no, probably not. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's avoid talk of any of the meta commentary in the film. But. Yeah. Uh, so, so Scream. So, what y'all think of this beer? Came, came out in came out in January, uh, and the 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 plot is as simple as it get. I mean, you know, as all of these movies are from just a surface level kind of perspective. So 25 years after the original series of murders in Woodsboro, a new ghost face emerges and Sidney Prescott must return to uncover who the killer is, to uncover the truth behind what's happening. There's obviously more to it than that, but that is the just baseline premise yeah. ghost face. Eight. A ghost faces back, and if we and learned you can anything, Gale and Dewey with that, yeah. they return as well. Yeah. Not, not that they were necessarily gone. Dewey was still in Woodsboro. Yeah, sure. all of the legacy characters are back. But if we've learned anything from the previous four films, the ghost face changes every time. Like it's not the same killer that's recurring. So we, we kind of are expecting it's, that going in. Who is this the new most unique? Well, one of the most unique aspects of this franchise. Yeah, that there yeah. is no recurring killer. There is a recurring killer concept. Yeah, but it's always a different. Um, yeah, so we get Courtney Cox back. We get, uh, you know, as as Gail Weathers, we get David Arquette back as Dewey Riley. Just like in real life, they are separated. They are divorced. <laughs> they are no longer an item. Though we saw them together in uh, <clears throat> David Arquette cannot be killed. What, That's what true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A David Arquette cannot be, cannot be killed or cannot die or something yeah. like that. Where he great was, film. The, yeah, the, great documentary. Underlook gem, folks. Go back to the archives. Uh, and uh, so this is the... This now takes the cake for longest gap between films. Yeah. Uh, Scream 4 had been the longest prior, because Scream 1, 2, and 3 came out really quick. And do you even 4. want to talk about the, that there was an intent to follow that fourth one up pretty quickly, but then it was kind of... it's It seems like a lot to do with Wes Craven's death, and that it ended up getting derailed. Yeah, I... You just you just yeah. said well, it. I'm just, there it is. And and, uh, and and so ever since then, there's been talk. But I mean, I think what accounts for the gap isn't that they didn't think it was a viable franchise. It was more the the kinds of oh wait, we have to find a replacement for the for originator, sure. the, the for creator. Sure. But yeah. I think the gap. I think the gap is important to this film as it was to Scream Four in a concept slash content perspective, which sure. we get into. But just like with uh, Scream Four, we get a bunch of new characters. Uh, 
outside of the legacy characters. Um, a Melissa Barrera, who the, we know the new from high in the school Heights, crew, the new high school crew, um, who we know from in the Heights comes back as Sam Carpenter. She's, um, for all intents and purposes, our lead, uh, Jack Quaid, who's playing this Richie character who comes along with Sam. Um, Jenna Ortega plays Tara, Sam's sister. Jenna Ortega is giving Samara Weaving a run for her money as the new, like, the new screen. Well, how apt, given that this is by the makers of Ready or Not. A film, a film that the three of us really liked. That we really liked. And Jenna Ortega and Samara Weaving uh, are in Babysitter 2 together. Yes, uh, yeah. And Jenna Ortega is coming out in X, the new Ty West film with Kit Cuddy and Mia Goth. And I'm which I'm excited oh, she's about. In that. She is in oh, that, Oh, yeah. I saw the trailer recently. That yeah. looks incredible. It yeah. looks great. I'm excited for that one. And then uh, two of the most interesting characters, new characters that we get in this movie, are... Um, Mindy and Chad Meeks Martin, who are the niece and nephew of Randy. Yeah. Played by Jamie Kennedy. Jamie right? Kennedy. Uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown plays Mindy. One of my new favorite actors, Mason Gooding, plays Chad. He was in Booksmart as like the love interest of Beanie Feldstein's character, uh, Nick. Uh, he's the son of Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, he was great in Booksmart. Rewatched it recently. He's awesome in it. I, th- I, th- I really liked him in this. He was good in this. Uh, and then Sheriff Judy Hicks, former deputy Judy Hicks, is back as well. And Skeet Ulrich is back. I wasn't expecting that one. I was not either. Uh, but he's back, baby. In fact, uh, when he first appeared, I thought maybe they had just done like a, a CGI. They had he, not even paid him. They had just yeah. decided to like use an old image from him from yeah. one of the earlier films. But then as it went on, I realized, no, they actually got him. He's there. They shot this stuff. Certainly some de-aging going on. And you can tell, I, I could tell just kind of, I yeah. feel like his frame ha- is slightly bigger than uh, the yeah. like Maybe. younger, skinnier young man from Scream 1. I mean, it's again, it's been 25 years. He's obviously aged. But they did the de-aging stuff on him. Mm-hmm. I could I could tell it was current day Skeet Ulrich. Uh, but he certainly looked as convincing as you could be. Yeah. Given that, I mean, this isn't this isn't the fiasco of fucking what's the other movie, The Irishman. Thank you. <laughs> There's um, a, the reveal of Skeet Ulrich's character is done because the uh, older sister Sam, uh, I, I guess Sam is our main protagonist. She's our here. main character for sure. And they slip her in through a side door. Yeah, it turns in. It t- yeah, there should be no real connection to some of the luminaries of that earlier era because the they were luminaries. Yeah, Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis is a luminary of that first film. So you know, as one of the main killers, I mean, that's that's pretty big. So, right. But what brings her back is this reveal that her mother was actually impregnated by Skeet Ulrich yes. in high school, yeah. and that she is the, one of the original the screen killer's daughter. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Billy Loomis being her her estranged father or whatever has this kind of i mean there's all uh, there's meta wrapped inside of meta sure. stuffed inside of meta baked this is the turn you know yeah so in the original he is like trying to kill sydney because her mom ruined her uh parents marriage or whatever um she had because kept- she was a philanderer meanwhile he was also a, a philanderer, philanderer. Yeah. right? And it's this whole thing. But um, when you aren't see, aren't we complicated animals? We <laughs> humans. But when you find out 
that your real father from your when your mother tells you that your real father is not the father that you've had your entire life, but rather I guess she read it in a diary. Yes, in an attic. she didn't. Yeah. In fact, she confronted the mother. That right, was yeah. the big dramatic sort of trauma was this that had event. occurred in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, then you you might have some psychological issues. So it Huge. turns out that she is having <laughs> visions in mirrors right. of her father, right. who's kind of taunting her, but then helping her. But I, when you saw Skeet Ulrich, did you think for a second, I wonder if her psychosis will, like will bring a, forth Matthew Lillard? Because I did. No. I was like, well, I so, wonder if we're going to see him again. No, they're saving again. him for like, he probably has an offspring and they'll okay. join up well, and like, he, has <laughs> sick. he does have a nephew screwing. in this movie. Okay. That guy, Vince, who gets killed by the car. Oh. That's a... Uh, that's his his nephew. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's his character? Fuck, why can't I remember his character's name? It's too early for this. I'm drawing. <laughs> have another uh, sip. Stu, have another Stu, sip. Stu, Stu, yeah, Stu um, Mocker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in this. I, one thing I'll say before we start. <laughs> we haven't started. <laughs> we've started. But yeah, yeah. Well, we've kind of just Insert gone it. over the synopsis. And, yeah, yeah, but yeah. before we start talking about how we feel about it and really mm. diving mm. deep into the analysis, I'll say this. The marketing for this movie was genius, but also almost ruined it for me because when you see the posters the posters say the killer's on the poster which is fucking genius one uh it's almost like taunting your audience yeah um but it did succeed with me because i got really hung up on accurately predicting who the killer was before the movie started yeah, yeah. it's like uh, our, it's like our bammies it's a game of clue to yeah. see what our number one so film who done is it? So yeah who done and so i but as characters begin getting knocked off you realize, oh, that wasn't him or yeah. her. Well, I doubled down given the events of Scream 4, I guess, which I should have known better. But I was I, I was like, it's Sam. 100% it's Sam. And then they kept trying to do things to make us think it wasn't her. And yeah. I was like, no, now it's definitely her. So as the movie well, went on. look at how good this film is with it doing the fan service. You, the fan, wanted that outcome. And that's exactly the outcome they were trying to give to the fans. I didn't I didn't really, I don't know if I wanted that outcome as much as I wanted to be right. I really you just, you felt like right. that was the right choice for for the screenplay, for the, for the writers. Or, or for. Or, or for this new, especially I don't it's, know. I was I was probably bringing too much of the context of her yeah. in in the Heights and like being this likable oh, kind of main character. And it would be an against type. It would kinda, be against yeah. type kind of thing. Whereas everybody already hates the Quaid family, and so like disliking <laughs> Jack Quaid, easy, easy. easy. Um, but one thing I'll say that I really liked about this movie. I mean, I really liked this movie. Just full stop. I I, well, I had some issues. Before with you it. go, you are the biggest Scream fan in the room. Yeah, uh, which I think is a function of your age. I believe. I mean, I don't think that's accurate, but go off. Well, I'm just talking about when the films came out, like formative for oh, yeah, you when as I was a younger. Four? No, I mean, as they continue. Oh, <laughs> well, hold on, they, you just blew my whole theory. Well, because well, in 2000, I was well, eight. Well, let me, by the time you were getting into horror movies, these were big films, and you had that's, to see yeah. these movies. These were already legacy films right, by the time but that's, I was But, that's what but I'm they saying. were closer when, to see, release. For for me, and for certainly for Joe, but even for me, this came to me like years after I had become a horror fan, and I had done a lot of horror watching. Right. That's, and I had maybe even, but that's when you could really appreciate it. Well, but, you're, you're right on some level, but it doesn't hit me on the gut the same way. Like those early, the relationship I have with Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, and, and those the franchises, 80s franchises, right? 
is much different than it is for Scream because it hit me when I was really formative and it was like, oh, wow, these are iconic. Yeah. Absolutely like top of the. But what did Scream, the original, do that those films didn't do? There was self referential about those films. Well, it's a meta commentary, right? And so when Scream came out, it, it was a cultural phenomenon in horror. Rightly so, because now we're, not only are we going to present a horror movie, mm-hmm. not um, what's the one with um, Jennifer Love Hewitt and the hook guy. I know, I know you what did you did last, last summer. summer. Yeah. Not a straightforward horror movie. We're going to try to present a brand new franchise. We're going to try to present a brand new killer. We hope that you get on board with Hook Man like you did with Freddie and Jason. Yeah. This is... We're doing the same thing. Ghostface killer. We're going to introduce the mask. We're going to introduce as a technique. But we're going to talk about the horror films that brought us to this point in such a charming, smart, thorough way that it's going to please not just a horror fan who's here to see the horror, but who who can relate to these characters and the truths that they are saying, the rules of horror films prior to this point. So 25 years later, is there space for that? Can it be done again? And I'm going to say yes, that they accurately did it, fantastically encapsulating the the trends in horror that have shifted from the last Scream that was given to us, Scream 4, to this one. We're going to talk about elevated horror. We're going to mention things like Midsummer. No, he didn't say Midsummer. They said Hereditary, uh, Hereditary, Hereditary, The Witch, Baba Duke. That, that, that horror has shifted. Horror has changed right. because at the end of the day, and, and we talked about this last week, we um, are going to expect more as an audience than just giving us more of what we've seen prior to now. Right. Sure. We're going to expect more. And if you're going to give us that commentary... We expect it to be accurate. We expect it to be timely. I think they succeeded when it came to the rules of the new Scream horror film that presented by the characters. Yeah. Sure. Of course you don't go down to the basement by yourself. That's just the standard. Yeah. But now it's... Well, and they and they kind of play with that. But I feel, I feel like Carlos, you, you kind of cut Carlos off there well, a while I'm back. Well, I'm saying, Carlos, I, you're the biggest <laughs> fan. No, I, dude, le- let him have it. Yeah, it you're no, the biggest fan. No, 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 fan. let him have it. So tell us if it scratched the itch that you had that maybe David and I didn't have. And when he's okay. talking about itch, what he's saying is... I'm, they're, they're, well, I'm going to talk. talk. Yeah, let yeah, the man say his longer. piece. <laughs> I did like this movie. Um, now, you mentioned just a moment ago, what the first screen was doing, right? And it was presupposing that, or not even presupposing, but just making it obvious that at the point in pop culture we were in, we had seen Nightmare, we'd seen Friday, we'd seen Halloween, we'd seen Texas Chainsaw, we'd seen all these horror movies. So if a person in in the real world was going to find themselves in a horrifying situation, they would know from having seen these movies that there are things you do and do not do, right? Right. Um, And yes, it's a commentary on horror itself and the rules that those movies contain but it's also a commentary on us as a a society having seen these tropes yet also being okay with seeing people make those same mistakes that they would never make right and so it's about a smarter audience and things like that now what we're getting into with this one and I feel like uh, it's a commentary on commentary at this point you know because like Everything has become so meta since Scream, and everything has become so either self-referential or referencing things uh, from other creators' works or leaving, like, Easter eggs are such a big part of... Well, and they've also built in the Stab series within Scream that allows them to do this second-level meta commentary all the time. Exactly. And which is one of the things that I 
that I like so much about this movie, and yes, I did love it, as I said earlier, what half an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I did I did have some issues with Don't it. Don't test. But the, but the thing that I loved so much was the writers and filmmakers knowing exactly what their audience is thinking going into it, which is that. Okay, I know that there's going to be a big twist for the killer. Well, the they, they, I know that there's going to be a twist, right? Yeah. And I know that they're going to try to make me think it's this person or mm-hmm. that person. And I'm not falling for it because I'm a smart audience goer. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was they were like, it's that guy. Like 20 minutes in. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. sure enough, it was that guy. But I, I, and I know this worked for me. And I know some people. Uh, you know, I talked to my buddy Aaron who really didn't like this movie because he felt like the killer was obvious. Huh. Uh, and I was just like, and I was like, I understand what you're saying. And I, and I, of course, when Dewey says, well, it's the love interest, who the fuck is this guy? You yeah. know? Um, of course at that moment I thought like, oh yeah, I mean, that's a good, he's right. But the then love in interest, the other ones, it's been people motivated by their direct connection to the incident. Exactly. Not a fan, like this and is the first time they've really brought somebody who was just a fan of Stab and yes. the idea of that thing. And that's, and that's what I'm saying is that they know what we're thinking and they know what our expectations yeah. are and they know that we're trying to crack the mystery. And they know that and we're so, clever. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, and, and so, and so rather than playing into like, oh, we're going to be more clever than our audience. They're like, no, we're going to make our audience's cleverness work against them by right. just being like, yeah, it's this guy, you know, yeah. and making it so, and like fucking Mikey Madison or whatever the okay. actress's name is. She's the most obvious killer in any of these movies. Like the crazy, the, the creepy goth well, girl. Okay. Of course the, it's sorry. her. I agree. I agree. The, small side note. Did anybody else pick up a weird resemblance to, I think it's Ezra Miller. Is it, you know who I'm talking about, right? The guy who plays, is it Flash? Yeah. And, uh, uh, Ezra did, Miller, did you yeah. see a facial like I thought With maybe her? they were siblings they're not is that but th- this was yeah. a hang up I had I can I'm see like it. and I see and he's a creepy guy but part of that is I know him best from we need to talk about Kevin and it is okay, one uh, of the most I was, was going to say most people do not find him creepy most people find him arousing uh, really but because i know him from the kevin movie and then i heard later right didn't he get a harassment suit or something oh, and I oh i think he's been canceled a little bit i hate to use that terminology but anyway um yeah i found him or her to be somewhat predictable as a potential killer but really i think part of the beauty was is almost everybody in that film could have been the killer at, at various moments and I, I've heard that they create multiple versions of the screenplay sure. so that they can kind of falsely circulate them. Or if one gets circulated, it, it could be falsified. Be right. yeah. yeah, they've they've done that with past screams as well. And it would have been totally plausible for I think right up until the last minute almost to have seven or eight of those other characters be. It's the like killer. Clue. And it, yes, it could. Yeah, right. It could. It really could have been. Have all so the different. Somebody saying, "Oh, I knew it was them." Fuck you. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like, seriously, if you were so pinned to Richie right at the beginning that you really think, like, good, you get, get your win, of course walk it's away. Obvious you walked out. You just happened to pick the one that was announced that time. Yeah. Amber was said later. Did you pick her then? Yeah. If you didn't, you didn't win, you motherfucker. Stop <laughs> motherfucker. gloating. I'm I, mean, I mean, everyone knew there was going Dewey or one of the legacy characters yeah. is Dewey. Now we oh. knew it couldn't be Gail because she's off in another city. So we knew it couldn't be Sydney because <laughs> she's off in another city. But I was wondering, are they going to twist this like Dewey's down out? Yeah, you know, no, that upset, that could have been traumatic. absolutely. Hey, what my one my one? I love this film. I, I found it to be a lot of fun. Fuck but <laughs> but my one hang up is it's so smart about so many things. I can't I can't any longer abide 
those times where they do have characters do gap logic. Like when Dewey shoots Ghostface in the hallway in the hospital and then walks away, Dewey would never do that. Dewey that's, wouldn't that's do fair. that. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. He goes the, back. Uh, you got to shoot him in the head or they're going to come back to life. But after he's right, left right, the right. character and let it recuperate. And all, I mean, yeah. like, come on. No, for sure. For it's, sure. And the so character there, was there wearing a... There were a few a moments like that where... Bulletproof vest. When you are this smart about horror and about meta and about, like, layering that yeah. and doing all this stuff, you can't leave those gaps because you, you leave a few of those and it's enough for me to start thinking, okay, come on, guys. To kind of take you out. That said... There were really only maybe two, three of those moments, so that wasn't terrible. For sure, but most of it was pretty tight. And I and I so I I didn't really think about it that much at the time. But you're right that there could have easily been a way to motivate Dewey into being Ghostface. I don't think Gale or Sydney would have ever made any sense, but it, certainly Dewey in the context that they present him. In I'm this glad film, they did. Would have been. I don't I'm glad think they didn't as well. I don't think that was the right move. One thing I am glad that they did though is killing Dewey. Because there Spoiler had folks. stakes, yes. <laughs> there had to be some stakes. Mm-hmm. There had to be some oh, stakes, yeah, and that you was have it. to, and and which makes you realize that if the, and it seems they are set to film a sequel already, a greenlit sequel already. To I think it's going to be like a year turnaround. Well, like they're release. doing it this summer. I think yeah, they're it's shooting happening summer. Fast. It's going to. Yeah. If, if you hadn't mentioned, you cannot kill David Arquette. I would have. Yeah. Uh, you'll recall when we talked about that film that there was a shift in it, kind of like, this is stupid, this is stupid. No, wait, no, this is real. Not, not It's as real as it is, but the, 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 he is a real person with real stakes in trying to succeed in the thing he's doing in that film. I thought that the standout acting in this film, and I had a problem with a lot of the acting in this film. Really? Yeah. Really? Was From David, the David Arquette. From the team, you thought he was. I thought he was outstanding. Outst- out, it, he's not going to get an Academy Award nomination yeah. for this film, but he. But does he a, should. There's a level of acting that he no, does, I, I which would, is I would fantastic. This, I, I saw a lot of uh, similarity between his portrayal of Dewey in this and what David Harbour does or did in Stranger Things with that down and out sheriff uh, character. Yeah, yeah. But which. Is a high bar in my estimation. I really love that portrayal that you know that he does in that series. So to, to me, I'm fully on board. I think mm-hmm. Arquette knocks it out of the park. I think that I actually was mostly fine with the teens. In fact, I kind of liked that some of them came off as a little like I don't know, not robotic, but kind of weirdly awkward. Mm-hmm. And in a way that like quirky teen comedies tend to have these awkward characters. Mm -hmm. So that kind of worked for me because there was some comedy in those scenes where they were interacting in particular. I really liked, um, oh, geez, the the Meeks Martin girl, which uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown. Yeah, she was really good. She's like the Randy. Yes, she's the expert. She's the one who knows everything. And, you know, you get that awesome scene with her on the couch watching the scene of the expert and the stab movie on the couch. It's just beautifully done mm-hmm. yeah. sort of shot reverse she's shot. saying look oh. behind you when yeah. Ghostface is on the screen behind that character while Ghostface is behind her not recognizing the Ghostface is behind her but yeah. while we're talking about Dewey's kill I do want to talk about the brutality of the kills in the film I thought that and I I, I know I've seen Scream 4 but I don't remember a lot of it. Scream 4 is amazing okay so th- these th- there's some close up like gra- graphic body horror in the film they don't just stab he doesn't just stab Dewey she doesn't just stab yeah. Dewey. 
she stabs him with two knives, one in the front, one in the back, and then pulls them up yeah. toward his head, and blood is just. I still all don't think it goes to the, the level floor. of body horror, but I, I hear uh, yeah. what you're saying. There's the some one where the kid kills. gets stabbed in the neck. The, the, the one that goes the, through the the neck, yeah, the cheek, yeah. right? There's one that goes and through it the, 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 the cam. The shot stays on it the, I, while I, the I, character slumps to the ground. The camera. You it's know, fairly graphic. It's fairly graphic. And, and then it, not only does Ghostface stab them once or twice, not only does Sam at the end stab the antagonist once or twice, it's foo, 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 yeah. 25, 30 stabs. That's true. With blood up on the But you're seeing it mostly from the perspective of the corpse or the or the person who's being murdered yeah. and her on top. And right. I, you're, you're not, not seeing, seeing the, the entry of the knife again, that many yeah. times. Not, I just was really not, impressed you know, by the kills in this film. Really impressed by the graphic nature of the kills. And when you're talking about a film like Scream, that is a... You know, that's on the sure. scoreboard. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, you do have to kind of up the intensity of the kills because like a knife going in clean and coming out red isn't going to quite like do it for a modern horror horror audience. And, you know, David's right with that last kill, especially you're seeing it more from the m- murdered perspective, not the murderer's perspective. And I mean, they could have I'm sure they could have made it more graphic if they wanted to you know like we talked about last the, week where like you see it and then you see it in slow motion right. they could have done something when like amber that. comes out half burned face with yeah. you know to, to get them at the end that's pretty gory mm-hmm. yeah. in, in, in its way i didn't like I mean, okay you've got i know that in a film like this which is a fun roller coaster ride we can't take it too seriously but like the gail and sydney are injured yeah in a way that de- debilitates them but by the end of the film, they're just sitting on the back of the ambulance drinking yeah, a cup well. of coffee. But little things like that, I notice. But that, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. teeter-totter the film from very, very, right. very enjoyable and fun, which was what this film's kind of critical and audience buzz was going into right. it. It is just a bunch of fun. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. So you forgive those little pieces that... Yeah, and I almost think that that's probably more intentional than than some of the other stuff, too, with that with those two characters in particular, because I think there is kind of a bulletproof quality to them. They're not uh-huh. quite superheroes in the franchise, but there there's something... They're as close to The Rock and Vin Diesel from Fast yeah. and Furious as you can get. Right, yeah. right. And, and it, so so there's there's something, yeah, like, yeah, you could stab them and it'll take them down. But yeah, within a few minutes, they'll be up and How walking. many years since Scream 4? What was the gap again? About Eleven. 10, right? Okay. Was it 2011? It was 2011. So, and in years, that gap, 12. we have seen um, advances in technology that are, I think, utilized great here. The notion of being able to track one another on, on your phone yeah, on those kinds yeah. of apps is used for a, a, a kill bit, gag. Yeah. The uh, using the uh, like a, a home security app to unlock <laughs> and lock doors. Yeah. Uh, they talk about cloning phones and and FaceTime and I mean they they're using that technology I think really really well here, which becomes of course a kind of a. Uh, date based stamp on this film but and, that's and, that's the, you, that is the screen though franchise. i have to and you could correct me if i'm wrong but i i heard that because i have not seen four i i, I just haven't seen it th- that i heard that four kind of brought in social media as an element of mm-hmm. what was going on whereas this one it was kind of not present which m- might be the right move i'm not sure because maybe at this point 
young people are off social media. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're on they're it, but on I just think social it. media is n- no longer a phenomenon. It's just like a ubiquitous part of culture that it's like right. almost not even worth. Well, that's what I mean. It. Like, wouldn't it be integrated? Like in the fervor over Ghostface coming back, wouldn't there have been sure. TikToks of uh, there, of Ghostface? Th- and- there certainly <laughs> would be, but would you waste screen time on that? I don't know. I, don't think, I, think, I, I think there's a clever way to work that. In. I'm not saying there that's could a, have been, but what I'll say yeah, about Scream Four, since yeah. you haven't seen it, is that that movie is about the emergence of social media and the effects of that. Okay, on that's that. So, okay, then okay, it was so, accurate what I heard. Yeah, I'm going to spoil Scream Four for you because it's important. That's okay. To I'm, the I've already had some what we're talking spoiled. about. So. So in Scream 4, it's all about Emma Roberts wanting to be the star, wanting yes. to get her 15 minutes. Which She's like, the in... cousin of Sydney. Yes. Yeah. Um, I believe. Cousin or niece? A, a relative. Cousin, a relative. But yeah, she is related yeah. to Sydney. Uh, and yeah, cousin. Uh, so that movie's about that, right? Yeah. Um, it's about like the lengths people will go to for fame, yeah. which obviously at that point in 2011, which is when Screen 4 came out, had been exacerbated by the rise of social media and right. we were getting our first kind of like viral social media stars yeah. and stuff. Tia Tequila had her own show just because she had a popular MySpace, you <laughs> oh know? Oh my God. Like, so, I mean, I'm saying she's like I one of I just haven't thought of that name in a decade. Well, That's she's one of the first people yeah. that you saw oh, sure, yeah. capitalize on Where her social media now? popularity. Oh, she's an alt-right I, flat earther person. That's she, she is. Oh, oh my she's gosh. bad. Uh, border, I don't know I, that I, I don't even, even know borderline Nazi. I think maybe actual oh, Nazi, wow. but um, scary. And, that's scary, folks. Yeah, uh, but that's the real horror. That Scream is, is safe. That is that's so. Scary. So that's what that movie's talking about. And I think to kind of double down on that in Scream Five would have been the wrong move. Uh, because we we get it at this point. We get that yeah, social media yeah. has yeah, a no, dark I, side I, okay, to it. Yeah, f- fair. Now, but, now that I've heard this, I can understand them steering fully away from yeah, it. Yeah, and that it's makes like, sense. why bother and waste screen time with it? Because what they're actually talking about, and I think my one grievance with the, this film Ooh. is that this isn't uh, a, a big enough through line, or it's not, the commentary is kind of somewhat lacking, but... really. Well, because you get this requel monologue, right? Mm-hmm. And you get this whole diatribe about where things are going and all this stuff yeah. about, like, you know, fans not liking Stab 5. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost not discussed for the entire movie until it comes back around at the end. And I okay. think that that is such a dense piece of modern day popular culture to mine and to. Uh, to extrapolate more about and to the... have talked more about and to ha- and, and and I, I and I get know. that it comes around at the end, but it's almost like one of those things where, um, you know, a movie will show you a glimpse of something that becomes a key part of the climax. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like they show it to you really quickly. Don't talk about it, so that when it comes back around in the third act, you're like, oh, I remember that from 15 minutes right, in. Right. And it was almost like that, but it wasn't a minor detail of somebody had a tattoo on their hand, and you see the person holding the knife has a tattoo or something. You know, it wasn't something small like that. It was like the crux of the commentary of the film. And so I, w- I kind of wish that it had come up at least once in the middle to late second act of the film to kind of like really stitch it all together, you know, to bring the beginning and the end kind of cohesively into this one big thing. Because, I mean, you guys know how I feel about the Marvel movies. And a big part of that, as we talked about on our Leftovers episode of Spider-Man No Way Home, is just like the overwhelming influence and uh, death of creativity that fan control <laughs> over franchises has yeah um and yeah so i don't know i think there's a lot more to go but i do like the fact that they were like we're taking i mean it's the most extreme version of this that you could possibly think of like we're taking this movie franchise into our own hands and we're going to give you more source material to work from, yeah you know what i mean i, I think so, it's a smart move to I, talk about I, that I do. as a motive for sure and 
and so while Even it if is, it's a little monologue but that's what Scream does. That is. Uh, you know, every big bad's got to have their diatribe at the end of things. I just wish that it had been more of a through line. It had been kind of more deeply, like, extrapolated from what's going sure. on in the movie. I also um, liked the requel talk. The requel talk. that The, the notion Halloween, of it's yeah. not a sequel. It's not a... Reboot. remake yeah. it's somewhere in the middle and the way you mm-hmm. do that is have the legacy characters and right. the new characters well, you're, you're kind of having both at the same time right you're both rebooting uh-huh. you're bringing in a whole new yeah. you know so Halloween, cast and i it, imagine the audience sitting there going you know i hadn't thought about it like that but they're absolutely correct my expectations aren't just you know i want to see uh, uh anthony michael hall's character tommy come back mm-hmm. although it's a it's not the same actor, obviously, but I want to see Laurie Strode with Laurie Strode, and then the 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 people that Jason ki- Jason Michael kills are all kind of the new faces. That that that, that mixture is it is exactly where we are for those older franchises, and ironically or or meta Lee with the Scream franchise now. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I've actually heard that Halloween ends, the big twist is that it's actually Jason the whole time. <laughs> that would be fantastic that if they rip off great. Michael Myers' face and it's a guy wearing a hockey, hockey mask. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then under that, it's a guy with a completely burnt face, reveal the finger, the, the uh-huh. knife fingers, uh-huh. and you just, it's like a... And the knife like fingers the land go air. up to a high five with Leatherface who's just off uh, camera. Yeah, and it, then it, when you pull the mask off Leatherface... You see a little trash panda sitting there. Oh, and you realize you just had a lovely, hazy IPA from an Arkansas brewery that you didn't even know existed. This is a tasty freaking hazy. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I loved the smell of this when I poured it into my mm-hmm. glass. Mm-hmm. I loved uh, the the look of it. It just you had love the mouthfeel? Love the mouthfeel, yeah. You, do you think it's too thin? I don't know. No, I just wanted to say the word mouthfeel. <laughs> it, <laughs> it had been a week. No, se- seriously. <laughs> all around, if this was the kind of thing, I mean, honestly, I don't even know that we in Texas have a hazy that's just a shelfie. Well, let's talk about the good. 7.2. That's the first thing I'm yeah, noticing. True, true. I mean, I have not eaten breakfast this morning. And this has gone well, that to was a bad choice. Hey, let's go record two episodes on a Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to eat a damn thing I before. went far okay. out of my way to uh, <laughs> I had to a big eat. breakfast. I told I you my strategy. Breakfast. I'm going to catch a nice buzz right now, let it wear off, then go watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah. Spoilers. I mean, uh, behind the scenes. Behind right? the scenes, yeah. Uh, I liked this beer very much. I've already had the two that came in the four pack prior to bringing us to today. And I was eager for you guys to drink them. And I like these um, verticals, or not verticals, but rather these flights that we can do two from the same brewery, a mm-hmm. brand new brewery from a part of the country that it, you know was one of the last states that we needed to check off our, was, our top it? 50, yeah. our, our all 50 states list. Arkansas's craft scene, as I said, is not out in your face the way that it is at the types of bars and restaurants that the three of us will tend to go to. Yeah. So I I was relying on the word of uh, the proprietor of the liquor store that I dropped in on the way out of the state. To, I said, I'm looking for the best beers in Arkansas that you are carrying. And he said, well, it's, he's like IPAs. Of course I do. Then let me give you two from this from this brewery. Lost well, he, 40, good job. He steered you well. Yeah, knew, I think so. Knew what he was talking about. We're, we're yeah. going to have another one, so let's just hope it's, uh, it's even good, the next yeah. level. Yeah, I would say that um, 
the, I think the closest thing we have to a quality hazy IPA like this you can just go buy on the shelf is the Doc Hoppaday. Okay. Not but, the double dock. But, but that's not reliably on the shelf. I guess, I guess I feel like it's becoming more so though. I hope so. I hope so. That that is but that, that one door? In, that one in yeah. Houston yeah, Saloon Door and then Houston Hayes from Spindle Tap, mm-hmm. which if we get it fresh is is outstanding. Yeah. Well, um, that has not been the case lately. No, sadly. <laughs> But so there it's are actually couple, been very far. But from that's the what case. I mean is I don't have anything reliable, and I'd like to think that if I was in Arkansas, this is a brewery that like if I'm in Little Rock, I can pick up a six pack of this at any yeah, moment. That's yeah, what I want. That's yeah. what I. And it, you know, we honestly, canning of liquid haze. Well, that's what I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say. Rebel Toad has put out you know Abracahapra and Bionic Blonde, which lovely beers. Great beers. I, I like them. They're good. But man, once they get liquid haze, liquid haze into a can that's going to be my trash panda that's going to be the oh yeah that'll be we'll be that'll be the best that corpus craft beer has been that'll be like are you listening hector the pinnacle hector good, please good job lost 40 he we're going to drink another home. one of theirs in the next half yeah when we return Folks, if you're not already subscribed to the Patreon, please get on it because I have a feeling this After Hours is going to be a lot of fun. I was getting a schooling in Alkaline Trio and Dan Andriano, yeah, and uh, it, it's, we're and, going to pick that back and up. David we're stopped me, and so I'll, I'll, I'll repeat myself because I didn't quite—I didn't get to finish, you know. I no, climax I climax in my Alkaline. But I want trio everybody discourse. to hear that, so get uh, on Patreon. Yeah, but we got another beer going on, Joe. Yeah, another one from Lost Forty. This is their double IPA Snake Party. And so, okay, so I'll let you read all the details and go into more about it since you brought it. But I, it's interesting, in the first half, we drank an IPA from them. These people have high standards is basically what I'm saying. Because we drank an IPA from them that was 7. We were 7. already questioning. We're like, wouldn't you maybe just call this a double? And this is a double, but it's 10%. That's triple territory. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Lost 40, you have a big fan here. I mean, even if this beer are tastes bad... I'm going to like their whole ethos. Uh, and seriously, I'm not even joking here. I'm, I'm trying to think of like a, a little getaway for a few days here in the near future. And Little Rock may be on my itinerary if I can make that happen, just, just so I can go visit this place. Little Rock, from just the research that I did, and we were headed to Hot Springs west of Little Rock, uh, is clearly the, the capital of the state and where all of the, not all of the, but a majority of the craft brewing is going on up there. Makes sense. Uh, when we were going to head from Hot Springs north to the Ozark area, there is a city called Clarksville, which has a bunch of um, recommended places. But I went through there on a Monday and mm-hmm. everything was closed. Yeah, Mondays are terrible. So that's one of the reasons why I had to resort to a liquor store to get my Arkansas beer. Uh, bite back at diabolically hot Arkansas heat with this thirst-slacking, super crisp double IPA bursting with bright grapefruit flavors and double dry hopped. Snake Party is a double IPA that's that's twice as tasty without being twice as bitter. So let's so get some in our glass. and More into the traditional IPA territory, not the hazy. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how this shakes out. Uh, also, if you've never listened to I Was Afraid and you like space rock, 
Listen, I was afraid. They're Ooh. a little rock band. I don't think they're a band really? anymore. Uh, mm. They played at the shop a bunch of times. Uh, Shoot, I wish you had encouraged me to go once. And they, yeah, it's, you have to twist David's th- arm to get him to some live music. Well, typically. no, it, but you know, he the, back in the day, he would have so many artists coming through town, yeah, and they would stop in the month. shop. And I would kind of like to get the yeah these these this is one you should check out. They Damn record, you, they, COVID! They recorded uh, their album with uh, Matt Talbot from Hum. If that gives oh, you any, who I of, did see at the shop. Shop, yes. And that was a fantastic was show. Wow. Um, yeah. So if you, it, you know, it, if hum means anything to you, go listen to I Was Afraid. Well, you know who means something to me? I can guess. Wes Craven. I yeah. figured. I, you know, it's it's kind of a crazy thing. The Scream franchise started with him and Kevin Williamson, obvious, obviously, as a screenwriter. Yeah. I mean, we, we shouldn't give short trip. Yeah, critical ingredient. But Wes Craven horror maestro right well known for his uh nightmare on elm street series um you know again if you if you have one of those kind of franchises in a career you're in that sort of upper tier yeah you get two of those franchises unheard of right this is like one of those weird like if there was the horror hall of fame which i'm sure there is and we just don't know about it but if there was and they had that like hall of directors. I feel like he would even get some sort of special asterisk on his plaque. Well, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, I think so, right? With, of directors, certainly. Of, of horror directors, yeah, yeah. Without the, you know, problematic subtext of Mount Rushmore. It's not how <laughs> <up> it. <laughs> right. right. We're say, not going to take native grounds and uh, and decimate them to do it. No, no we'll, we'll no. find like a nice. To little, not have yeah. him on the Mount Rushmore of horror directors would be a craven mistake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do is we'll 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 recarve uh, Stone Mountain. We'll erase. There erase you go. That there you go. And and give it and give it to Wes Craven. So yeah, I mean. He, Ari Oster, right he, up next to him. Oh Go ahead, God. continue. <laughs> he's, but but he's done so many great other movies as well. Like you know, we should give him the credit for creating these amazing franchises. But an underrated uh, horror movie is 2005's Red Eye. Oh, Red Eye, fantastic! Starring, starring Killian, Killian Murphy, Murphy I mean, uh, amazing, um, Rachel McAdams, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the movie that we're going to talk about today as well as uh as well as the hills have eyes uh i i give him plenty of credit for uh taking a shot at the swamp thing movie <laughs> yeah uh regardless of how successful that may or may not have been but a, a guy who has done maybe it's like alfred hitchcock and then wes craven as far as Contribu- contributions to horror. Him and John Carpenter like neck and neck. That's it. That's an right interesting. Yeah, that, that is that that is a funny. Way but to think but about it's it. but it's because of the movie we're talking about today that I put him up there in the top three. Because in 1972, when Last House on the Left came out, we were not. This was not a. We weren't seeing stuff like this. No, right? no, no, no. This was part of that wave that crashed or came to shore in the 70s, which Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, would be the closest to it that, that we've covered which on like the podcast. Which is like 74, right? Which is 74, yeah, so right. Where you're getting that, you know, that opening that New Hollywood brought in terms of content, in terms of language, in terms of uh, graphic violence, right? Showing blood on screen, yeah. like the comfort, like taking that, the exploitation era of the 50s and 60s with horror and really kicking it to the next level. And also with these enterprising independent production units, in this case, Craven and Cunningham, 
Um, and in other cases, you know, you have uh, Hooper, right? In the case of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, and uh, Kim, what, what's his uh, the screenwriter? Kim uh, Henkel? Henkel. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, you you know, so like these little units that kind of pop up, Texas, and you know, uh, Northeast, and mm-hmm. then you know, like these that kind of just get inspired and do something on their own, knowing that if they push boundaries, yeah. that They'll they're going to get attention. Yeah. They're going to create, and also Bob Clark in Canada. Lest we not forget. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, so this is that moment, right? And this is an important stage in that moment uh, for for many reasons. And this is one of those notorious films. This is one of those films that couldn't get an R rating, right? right? They they submitted it multiple times to the uh, MPAA. Well, they disembowel somebody. Spoilers. But they convincingly disent like when I read multiple rapes, there's multiple sexual assaults. I mean, this is some to this day unsettling, upsetting imagery. I can tell we're on the verge of getting into the meat of it. I just also want to say we have to. We should synopsize at least (laughs) one story. Horror for Sean Cunningham, Friday the Thirteenth, and Wes Craven, 1972, with Last House on the Left. Low budget. Easy to create tension and drama and stakes and uh, easiest way to get a film into the can as far as the, the, the budget is yeah. concerned. So I understand that Craven realized that the X-ratedness of it all probably hurt his early career, but was able for him to certainly make a splash in a name for himself. Right. Quick. They made a little quick money, but then it maybe stumbled him a little bit to be able to get to the next sure. projects. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it did 3 million on what, like $90,000 yeah. budget. That's so a I great, mean, great profit, great right? Great I mean, return. You're, you're yeah, doing yeah. well. Triple in a different budget. age of marketing where the, the numbers aren't so big when your budget to do the marketing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and back when a th- stuff would open and then it would, Open in a couple more theaters, right, and then a couple right, more, right. and it wasn't like trap everything open on five thousand screens yeah. that yeah. one we weekend. We haven't gotten to Jaws yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We haven't gotten to Jaws yet. Uh, so, I don't know synopsis of the movie. I guess uh, so. You have a young woman. Oh my gosh, am I am I going to forget her name? Mari, 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 or Mary? Or Mary. I, I think they pronounce it different ways. Yeah, the movie. Mari and Phyllis. Who's yeah. uh, just turning... Phyllis Stone, that what, Phyllis Stone. She's having a birthday. What is it, 17, 17 18? Okay, yeah. she's turning 17. <laughs> the fucking sheriff, when he's delivering the mail, he's like, oh, you think she's the, the only... The most popular girl in she's the world. Like, you think she's the only girl to ever reach the age of 17 There or you go, like there that. you go. He calls yeah. her like a nice piece too, I think. Yes, yeah, oh yeah, no, it is like... <laughs> well, that's it. It's provocative from the outset. It's like From doing, the first lines of dialogue. Yeah, oh... So, uh, you know, turning 17, her parents uh, allow her to go uh, to this concert with a friend, although they're kind of... To see Bloodlust? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so, the, my one complaint about this movie, my, or I should say my biggest complaint, uh, is that... Your big... Oh, is that God. Is that you didn't get to see Bloodlust. I was I would just <laughs> right. They never we, make it to the concert because spoiler, folks. Then this is part of the basic setup. Uh, they don't make it to the concert because they're trying to score some weed on the some way grass. to the concert. Some grass. What do you need grass for? <laughs> oh my god! Um, and they end up locked in an apartment. It's a trap. They uh, are basically then kidnapped and tortured by this gang of escaped criminals slash just degenerate. Crew. Right, Krug. Krug is, Krug Krug is the weasel. lead. Krug Weasel, played by Fred Lincoln, who went on to much more prolific fame in the adult film industry oh, after really? this. Oh, oh yeah. Look I did, at, I, I look at Fred a, Lincoln's I filmography. Did, I didn't do a ton of reading, but I, I did feel... David Hess, who plays Krug, 
is actually somebody who had a huge career in music, writing music. He which wrote we'll, All Shook Up. Which wrote, we'll get to. Yeah, we'll and get he to sings. That. The, yeah. yeah. And Weasel, I, I just, and this is, this is probably the craziest. This is, I think this is crazier than any connection I've ever tried to make to Sahara. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, <laughs> I think that Weasel... Ca- Why did you spoil it before you got there? No, no, no. I'm, no, I, I'm saying it's crazier than me trying to make Sahara. Oh, about okay. Stuff, I thought you were actually going to make no, no, a Sahara no. connection. No, no, no. Oh, okay. uh, I think Fred Lincoln's portrayal of Weasel directly influenced Bradley Whitford's performance in Billy Madison. Oh, as the villain in Billy Madison, they have wow. like very similar kind I, of mannerisms. When when you we didn't have see it coming, when, did you? when we have Bradley Whitford on the podcast, <laughs> we'll I am him. asking we'll him ask point him, blank. Yeah, That's for it. sure. So, but to finish the synopsis, right? They're kidnapped. They're tortured. They're taken out into the woods. And, you know, folks, I'm even going to include in this synopsis, they're killed because then the real meat of this movie is where... Comes an hour in. They sort of, this gang of criminals unsuspectingly stumbles into the home of the Mari, Mary, the girl who's just been killed, and the parents do be... Right, and the, the parents do become aware, and then it kind of becomes a table gets... Tables get turned revenge film um, after it's, you know, initially been this kind of brutal torture, um, you know. It goes from, like, purely exploitation to yeah. a revenge movie. What which, an intense... Which they, over, they can overlap at times, certainly. What an intense ride this film is. This is... Yeah. Um, this is a lot. I mean... I remember seeing this film 20-ish years ago. About right for me, too. When it, when it came on to DVD mm-hmm. and being a Wes Craven right, fan, right. having heard the title's name, it was on VHS. I'm Knowing sure I, the story, a history of its controversy. Sure, mm-hmm. I could have gotten my hands on it before, but whatever it was, I remember it was the DVD getting released and, and kind of knowing, okay, this is a film that I need to check out. And I remember seeing it, and I remember it just sh- you know shocking me, punching me in the gut, and really upsetting me, but I was pretty happy with it. I mean, happy in the sense, wow, Wes Craven out of the gate was a filmmaker who knew how to like push buttons and, you know, write with lightning, you know, like really do this kind of pops off the screen kind of thing with no budget, with no, you know, like how do you do that? You go into places that people are uncomfortable with. It it was a Seeing it now again... I have a, I have a different relationship with it. I'll I'll say that. So, you, I, but let, let's talk a little bit, and then I'll, and as it as we go, I want to get back to how I feel about watching this film now in 2022. I think that context is everything that you're talking about because in 1972, really the rules were being written. We hadn't. We don't know what Jason is. We don't know what Freddy is. We don't know what slashers are. Um, and and so he's not only pushing the buttons, he's inventing the buttons and then pushing them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's what makes this, that's what puts him on that Mount Rushmore, really, is the notion that he is visionary in the macabre and violence that he's presenting. Mac- uh, violence, the type of violence that, of course, is going to be an X rating, just like when Elvis comes out and he changes the game. And the parents of the country are like, uh, every single kid's got to bring it up. I just, but every he, single parent is, please, please don't show those yeah, hips yeah. on TV, you know. And and, and that pro- was only 15 years before this. That's funny. <laughs> That's is funny. It, I mean, how mind-blowing is it to think of what mm-hmm. the culture went through mm-hmm. in just that period from the 50s to the early 70s where things that were just simply 
unspoken or at least well think about easy writers a few years before it's like yeah we're gonna talk about marijuana we're gonna talk about cannibal culture we're gonna talk about prostitution mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about things that we don't talk about and yeah. that's what makes it so quote-unquote dangerous and censorable because our kids should not be seeing these kinds of things and hasn't that been horror movies ever since what can yeah. we show the kids that they're not supposed to see that their parents are really gonna get upset about sure yeah and you went from being afraid of hips to like free love and and hips don't lie uh you know yeah sex with multiple partners and uh same sex what does austin powers say it's like there's a scene in austin powers at the very beginning where he's like well as long as you know everyone's still groovy and you can have uh sex with multiple partners with little to no consequence (laughs) unprotected sex with multiple partners with little to no consequence i'll be i'll be groovy yeah yeah, and they're just looking at him like it's happening yeah 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 yeah, yeah. uh but yeah i mean one of the things you're going to get a podcasting award for slipping in an Austin Powers reference during a Last House on the Left and a Billy discussion. Madison. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really you're trying to soften the Last House on the Left image. Well, what else, what, what else can you do when presented with something so grisly other than try to yeah. find a way to be able to cope with it? You know, mm. and I think and I think one of the things that. Uh, again, to go back to what both of you said about putting Wes Craven, I mean, you know, he said Wes Craven's on the Mount Rushmore, Joe did, uh, because he's writing the rules to a certain extent. And you were talking about him coming out of the gate swinging and how do you do something like this with so little money? And what's what's funny about that question is how do you make something so, like, lasting? so good, so lasting, so gut-wrenching, so visceral with such a modest budget? And... Th- Honestly, the question, the answer to that question is unbelievably simple and is at the core of what the art form is about. And it's that he knows where to put the fucking camera. Like, well, that's I mean, part of it. That's you're, a you're right. You're huge right. part of it is that when you're watching this movie, I mean, there are, I mean, there's some very grisly moments. And one of the reasons I brought up the disembowelment was because I read about how they did that. And it was mm. like using condoms, filling it with uh, something that isn't what you would expect. I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head right now. Uh, no, it mm. was, it was something kind of silly. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like the whole way Gravy that they silly. made her guts with cream. Was kind of silly. I'll, I'll find it. Okay. Like, okay. And we'll come back to it. Yeah. But, uh, but then, you know, it's, uh, in a lot of the other kind of grisly scenes, you know, like, and I hate to, I hate to refer to a scene like this in like a positive way from like a mm-hmm. filmmaking perspective. Cause it's like such a horrific thing. But when Krug, uh, you know, violates the Mari character, you really just see their two faces, oh, you know? Oh my God. And it's, yes. In a tight close up. In a it tight is... close up. And it's horrifying. Oh, it's terrible. But that's what I'm saying is that he knows, he knows that the thing that is scary yeah. and dreadful about that scene isn't i mean it is the act that's happening but it's the way that what is happening is affecting the characters that we're following yeah is affecting the protagonist sure. and so it's much more effective to see mari's face and her reaction which unfortunately in the case of this film was less acting than what you would 
hope for right. something I've, like this yeah, one because there that, is a lot was... of uh, troubling things that, and 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 David Hess takes the method thing a little too Holy far. Holy shit, in this that film, guy is he is insane. And one and of the reasons that the remake doesn't work at all is they because don't have the, a David Hess. The person they cast as Krug isn't even remotely as menacing as David yeah. Hess is because he is from the just his face is like intimidating. He's, well, and, it's in, incredible. And and actually, around the time that I saw this film back in the early two thousands, that I saw this i saw the house on the edge of the park and i saw hitchhike and those three films all have hess playing a very similar you know villainous Mm -hmm. uh tormentor character who shows up out of nowhere and just in the case of hitchhike we need to say this call david huh yeah yeah right right and house house on the edge of the park is very similar like kind of kidnapping torture story as the title would suggest that it would be similar no and they they were definitely that was made by i think it was ruggiero diodato or it was it was an italian filmmaker it's kind of an italian horror film he ended up working a lot in europe but he clearly had this interest there's an interesting um parallel here to the to a lot of things, but I mean, you're right. Method acting, this kind of menacing persona that he brings across in a way that very I mean, few he, he actors... chased her around on set yeah. with a knife. Like, camera's not rolling. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's horrific, yeah. and you can feel it. It's yeah. palpable. That's the thing. So, so this actually is probably a good place for me to talk about watching it in 2022. Sure. And, and, and knowing more what I know and girls? seeing more what I want to... Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. We we did a little disclaimer at the beginning just to say, like, you know, this is all fake except for her. She is really horrified. Those aren't intestines. Those are condoms. Right. Um, No, did not watch this with the fam. Uh, This, uh, you know, I understand it in its historical context. It is still an important film to recognize, but it is not a film I can in good conscience recommend people watch. That's a weird position for me to have to, not even have to take, but to want to take. Because I think this is a film that you could just as easily read about and understand its importance. I think if you're serious about horror and and you want to understand Wes Craven, you've probably already seen it. And that I can understand that. And again, that I think it's, it's justified to watch it, but this is reprehensible. This is like really to find any points of redemption. This is exploitation to the max in the yeah. sense that I'm going to find all the buttons I can push and push mm-hmm. them. And I'm not even really going to think through what kind of statement I'm trying to make because to me, this film at best is a kind of weird repudiation of the counterculture, right? It's it's this idea, right? Because you have Mari or Mary or you know mm-hmm. who who's a, a hippie is the hippie, right? Yeah. She's the hippie child. These with are the, the consequences with the for more fifties Eisenhower parents. Yeah, but but at this point in 1972, I mean, the acid, the bad acid has rotted the brains of the love generation, and like right. and people have lost their minds. No, the balloon, gimme shelters happen. All yeah. this stuff, right? I mean, the, no. Craven was reacting Altamont, yeah. was reacting to a real thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the reaction he's having here, I think, is a it's not a productive one. It's it's a well, it's a nihilistic one, and it's it's one that leaves me feeling empty at the end of it. And and to well, me, yeah. and and to me, what he made after that had a lot more thought put into it in terms of what is the endpoint of this story. The hills that I'm have telling. eyes or nightmare. 
Um, definitely by Nightmare. Okay. By Nightmare not that creating... there's like a lot of redeeming social commentary to Nightmare, but there's nothing in it that feels retrograde to me in the way that this film feels retrograde. And it's this... also him trying to get a franchise character. I mean, it's him specifically yeah, trying sure. to get Nightmare, what his buddy yeah. Sean Cunningham has. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, and it's success. Yeah. But but the the original Nightmare on Elm Street, it horrific, is designed to be fun. There's no fun to be had. Oh no, no, there is fun, and that is the worst part. Part of this film. You think so? The yeah. comedy no, yeah. you, that on. is inserted you think that there is fun to be. Oh, had. you kidding me? You can tell. Wait, that, wait, no, do, no, 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 no. Yes, there you is. Can. If you could allow yourself, but there's no way. The weird jarring shifts in tone that go on between scenes of torture and scenes of buddy cop comedy that are going yeah, on with Martin Cove and that, that was. It was I a, it don't was, remember it was, that sticking out to me as much around either. 2000. Watching it again, it was gut wrenching. Yeah. When they're doing that weird ass, like semi racist mm-hmm. chicken yeah. truck scene, yeah, that was. That was I was weird like, I, my stomach was turning as bad as it was during some of the sexual assaults. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the just th- that they would insert something like that uh, sure. in this film. The, the only the closing thing that, credits in the music, yeah, were insane. Yeah, the only thing that makes it <laughs> semi racist and not overtly racist is the fact that she's the one in control. Oh, she's the one in control. She has no, the power they, she, they in that at least situation. Had, uh, and I will say, in that one scene, he got the power dynamics right in terms of the satire that that he decided to go after there but oh my god it's so weird to have stuff like that inserted in the midst of some of the most depraved yeah yeah certainly certainly and that and that was a huge critique of it at the time yeah a critique that still holds a lot of water and i understand how that made it even more jarring and more like and more disturbing to people he was i mean that's why i think from a historical standpoint from a filmmaking standpoint from a I'm a, I'm a connoisseur or a or a uh, you know at least an appreciator of a genre or something. Yeah. I understand seeing this film. I understand watching it. But from a cultural, like I want you to experience this kind of standpoint, there is never a person I would say you need to experience what Last House on the Left has to say. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's yeah. It's certainly there is no fun to be had. A couple of things. One, it is kind of odd that this is a film where you can. Uh, detect Wes Craven's sense of humor because he probably shouldn't have any kind of sense of humor about this. Um, I think that while I do agree with you that you could probably read about this and understand its its historical significance without having to experience it, I think that there is some value in experiencing it because the fact that as desensitized as we have become to violence over the last 50 plus years, that or 50 years right yeah. actually i was to, born in yeah. 1972 carlos it's 50 50 years, years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> over the last 50 years the fact that we have seen saw we've seen hostile we've seen disembowelments yeah. we've that seen entire genre little detour torture of porn, torture yeah. porn it's, it's not even just the torture porn stuff though it's like a lot of horror movies where you see people go, i mean sure, we were just yeah. talking about yeah. it in the first yeah. half of the episode yeah. the two knives coming up yeah. uh, on do you know it, but the fact that We've seen all after how much gore and blood and violence we've seen in horror movies. The fact that this movie can still be as arguably provocative, arguably much more horrifying than any of those films mm-hmm. is kind of. I think it would help if you are looking at it in a historical context, be able to say in 2022, I am disturbed by this. I cannot fathom seeing it in 1972, right? And thinking about how. Oh, how much uh, real utterly it beside much more real. themselves yeah. those audiences would have been uh-huh. um and 
grotesque. Two, two last yeah, things. Yeah. The intestines were condoms with fake blood and sand. Oh. The sand was the part that I thought oh, was kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, and then also, I had read, and this is just on the Wikipedia page, so I'm not much of a researcher or a scholar, but um, I, I had read that a big part of this, uh, I guess actually three more things. I'd read that a big part of this was... Um, uh, Wes Craven kind of reacting to the new depiction of violence in film and wanting to show it in a more realistic way so that it's not quite right. as easily glossed over. Yeah, and it's no, like, no, like the yeah. violence that you're seeing is actually pretty fucked up. Yeah. And like the violence that the world is experiencing right sure. now is really fucked up. So here is the reality yes. of yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. other films are kind of sugarcoating. And then the last thing. Um, is fuck. I forgot it. In the bits of all of that. Uh, hold on. Well, um, and I'll give. I will give. Craven, oh, the original screenplay was more fucked up than the movie we saw. <laughs> That's I'm, the last I'm thing sure, I was yeah. gonna say. I will give Craven full credit that, like, you know, there, there's something there. Like, he was reacting to a moment that he was really in, and he was seeing that, like, you know, no, things are much worse than anybody. And th there is this kind of confrontational element to what's going on that I think there is. If you're going to find something redemptive in this, that's that's where you go. Is you you like this is laying bare the depravity of humanity. This is showing you an unglossed portrayal of how dark the human experience can get. But that said, it's just again as a storyteller, I feel like you don't see the maturity that you want, and and that oh, that, that comes later on. Yeah. And that again, if you're going to bring humor into it, then you need to realize there needs to be some kind of balance. Um, it, and again, so that he did not find a good balance, right? Uh, sure, I don't. I don't think he did. Yeah. But, but one thing I'll say about that kind of thing is that first of all, the music David has in this does in this movie is great. The Road to Nowhere song is great. Yeah. And I think a lot of the incidental music that was done by somebody else whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, and I apologize for that was also very good. But I think one thing that makes it even more fucked up and horrifying. And gut wrenching is the kind of like weird folk rocky music behind some of the terrifying. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you're not getting that classic Bernard Herman, right? Like, oh yeah, no, kind of score. You're getting something that is utterly juxtaposed, to, much, which I much think, more at home in a comedy like those comedy scenes. You get like the music I, matches that better than it does any of the horror. It scenes, does, it yeah. does. But I mean, I'm 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 not I'm not cer I'm certainly not trying to argue that Wes Craven was. Uh, exhibiting any kind of like m mature storytelling or anything in this movie, but don't you think that that is something very intentional that he did to make yeah, the I point? Think he to was make trying the point to make something make? jarring. I think he yeah. was trying to upset people, and mm -hmm. and on that level, hey, listen, I like provocateurs at times. There are people, I, you know, I mean, you said uh, that Jesus Lizard, U.S. Maple, the, yeah, right, <laughs> Pasolini. I mean, in filmmaking, there are plenty. Lynch, you know, Lynch, the, the Cronenbergs, the, you know, Julia de Like, there are these filmmakers who are clearly there to push buttons. Cannibalism is uncomfortable. I don't like to see cannibalism. You show it to me, it's going to agitate me. But use it in service of something bigger. Use it in service yeah. of telling me something Speaking about the Speaking of human. DeCorno and Raw that we did, you know, yeah, like a month yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, this is, it, it, this this is, is So I'm saying, like, you know, like, if you're going to bring in sexual assault, rape, pedophilia, I mean, these things that are third rail topics that I don't want to have to deal with, mm -hmm. I only want you to do it if you have something a you're bigger, really trying to say yeah, that's going to be... And instead of just an exploitative... And, and that's exercise. it. Like, Last House on the Left, he hadn't gotten there yet. I think no. he was still No one had the, gotten there yet, David. That's why that, I, I disagree true. with you to a degree. A month ago, and then two weeks prior... Hold on. Yeah, A month ago, we did Titan and Raw. 
two weeks later, two weeks ago, we did our Bammies episode. And in both of those episodes, we said we strongly recommend Titan with a big asterisk. It's yeah, not yeah. for everybody. And I think that Last House on the Left does deserve a viewing if film history, horror genre, is something that's interesting to you because this is in many ways one of those critical, seminal birth of American horror films that you kind of got to see if that's your jam. I, and and I think I, and I can are, I can back that up because if it if if horror is your jam and you're a storied horror person already and this is an omission in your viewing, then you probably have the stomach for it. But if but if we but if I watched Marry Me with somebody and they really liked it and I was like, you know what other movie you should see? Last House on the Left, you know? That's obviously not something Equally horrific, better balance. I'm sorry. Oh my God. God David's oh microphone God. fell over. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh too loudly into the microphone. I'm turning my body Carlos, that you've brought up Billy Madison, Marry Me, and what was your... This is Austin Powers. a bonkers episode, and I thought our next episode was good. This is... Folks. <laughs> folks. I'm just saying that if, if, you've, seen, if you've seen all smokes. the screams, you've seen all the nightmares, you've seen all the Fridays, you've seen all the Halloweens, you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you've yeah. seen all of those, yeah. and you haven't seen Black Christmas, you haven't seen Last House on the Left... Uh, then, then it's like okay, yeah. these Car- are Carlos important. I, I no, absolutely. Yeah. But, will, but at the same time, I completely understand why you would never recommend this to somebody. Yeah. So okay. I'm let's put a what big I'm saying. By it. Yeah. What I'm saying is that I I do agree with the both of you in this regard, and I will also agree with both of you in the fact that yes, Wes Craven is defining a genre to a certain extent, albeit not really that adeptly. And yes, he's showing this great immaturity because he is doing gruesome for gruesome's sake. And that's pretty much it. And that's like not really all that great to watch. And and so it is a very complicated film in that regard. But especially if you're a huge Nightmare and Scream fan, to watch this movie, if you going, uh, you know, whoever... Well, the birth if, of the evolution of the well, filmmaker. Well, that's what I'm saying is yeah. that if someone, if whoever recommends this movie to you owes it... If, if you are recommending this movie to somebody, if you are listening to this podcast and you like this movie or you whatever, you, you have some kind of reverence for it and you're going to recommend it to somebody, you owe it to them to basically tell them exactly what happens in it and so that they know going into it that they're going to see some pretty fucked up shit and some stuff that's like really, really, really tough to stomach. And if at that point that person says like, okay, I realize that, but... I'm such a huge Wes Craven fan. I want to see where he yeah. starts. And I want to see, like I said, he fucking knows where to put the camera. I mean, he's showing his skill set as a director from like a true art of filmmaking perspective from the jump. Is he doing it in service of something that's really all that worthwhile? No, just like Paul Thomas Anderson didn't really use his skills to something that was really worthwhile in licorice pizza. Oh, but, with, with very, <laughs> come on. With very, and I thought you were going to go after Hard Eight as his first film right there. Uh, that no, that would have no, really I, pissed me I, off. I really like Hard Eight. With very <laughs> few, Wes Craven doing that in 1972 with very few things to pay homage to or use as an example Damn, of something to You said you were going to stop bringing that up. I know. You gotta cut it out. Cut it All right, I'll cut it out. I think we got there, right? <laughs> well, think, yeah, you I know, no, we loved I, that trash panda. We loved yeah. that trash mm-hmm. panda. What did we think of this? Love the snake party. snake party. Double yeah, IPA. it's a different I've, animal. I've yeah. been hanging at this snake party the whole segment, and I yeah, like being you there. To I like being there. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Like I, I hope this uh, doesn't turn really. <laughs> 
obnoxious. <laughs> so we've got two IPAs, one hazy, one double from the same brewer. And I like what I like the most about it is they are entirely different. They, they, it's not as if they, yeah. you know, took their their IPA recipe and took one little tweak. No, yeah, some no, raspberries. No, call it a different thing. No, no, no. no. They're different beers. <laughs> yeah, these are different, <laughs> but beers. Just for the record, we would be okay if you, if you added, added raspberries. Ra- please send us. A, <laughs> please send like, us a raspberry. Never would we drink an adjunct. I didn't say never would we drink. Only one say. man would dare. <laughs> never would raspberry. we drink. I just remember you loved that funky blender. It was your number two, number three My beer number, yeah, of I the year. Either, right? And they that Casey Brewing that we talked about in the Bammies a couple weeks ago. They they take that. They all do it. I'm not dissing on anybody but no. they take the the base formula add one thing to it they have a whole new product that's not what philosophy 40 here is doing i don't no, believe but they call it in in the case of casey i'll give them credit where credits do they it's all funky, funky blender, blender peach funky i just like i just like with yeah. atrial it's atrial with these sure, fruits sure. you know what you're getting but if they're yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to pull one over on you but here they're doing but 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 saloon door does it where they basically have the same beer with oh, yes. different adjuncts and they call it something different yeah, yeah, yeah you're right i um, love saloon door but i yeah. i prefer and i these are two different beers. We judge them separately, but I do prefer if I'm going to go back to the store to get one four pack, I'm going to grab that uh, Panda Trash, Trash Panda. I, I prefer it. <laughs> I prefer it to yeah. this second one, but by a slim margin. Yeah, slim I'm more margin. of a I'm more of a hazy guy than I am a double guy. Honestly, I, I I normally am this too. is a hefty double, and I'm feeling it. Like yeah. this is, I think it's it's good. I know yeah. I th- I think this is good, but where I'm I say I'm feeling it. Yeah, certainly in the inebriation, but. More importantly, in the like, it's got a viscosity to it. It's mm-hmm. it's got this heft to it. I think mm-hmm. part of that is you know you, to get to ten percent, yeah, and that's where you kind of get into that like hundred twenty minute territory where it gets so malty and like intense. I don't I didn't feel this. One no, did, no, though. I'm saying, but this is getting there. It's on yeah. that road. They're like triple, you, maybe not. This is hop forward <laughs> to me. This is, I mean, this is piney. This is grassy. Sure, this is, mm-hmm. but this but it's is a also. But it's also malty, and it's also much, got yeah. a hefty mouthfeel. The it's there, there's something like kind of sticky and r- residual about it. Like mm-hmm. it kind of hangs in your mouth, and I don't know. S- say more different. Say different words. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. Much against my normal. You're pulling up the entire beer glossary. <laughs> much against my normal preferences, I. I think I prefer this to the trash panda straight. No, I, I really I, just. I mean, maybe just even barely. when I know of your palate, I feel like the trash panda would be. Uh, yeah, this is closer the, to an El Chingon than maybe. Ah, there you now. Actually, I, I kind of agree is. with you, yeah. but not like they stay on the good side. Sure. It's but this is a dirtier, earthier kind of hot profile than what I'm used to. Whereas with the trash panda, we were getting more of the tropical mm-hmm. citrusy, mm-hmm. you know, that you expect with a hazy. Yeah, it's possible that the 10% is swaying me in a certain <laughs> direction. Is there any taste of grapefruit? They mentioned that that's a flavor note. I, didn't get I, a ton I think of there's that. like okay. kind of maybe like a, a pith, you know, like the, the grapefruit peel. Now, if there of. was like overt grapefruit flavor, I'd be out. More the I aroma. Not, yeah, I'm not, not a grapefruit, grapefruit guy. Uh, I love grapefruit. People but have, people, actually, you know what? Tried I, tried I just took another little sip and I do pick that up. I, in the nose like you know thinking of like the grapefruit sculpin back in the day mm-hmm. when I used to drink oh, that occasionally that, that was my uh, fiance's beer while I would just get the normal sculpin yeah all right uh, well, lost 40 thank you uh, yeah. and thank you to the yeah, liquor I'm store serious. in Little Rock I'm, Arkansas I'm that, trying to get on a road trip to Little Rock at what some is point. the proprietor uh, what was the name of that liquor store I could we could give them a shout out but I don't remember it was in Little Rock regardless uh, lost 40 we appreciate the work that you're doing there in Arkansas thank you yeah, yeah. great stuff Definitely 
uh, enjoyed both beers a great deal. Now, you know, at this point, it's been well over a month since Scream came, came out, so we know you've seen it. We know you have thoughts on it. And I one of the best things about this show is that the conversation doesn't end when the episode ends. It continues on all of uh, the various social media channels, whichever one you prefer. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is our website where you can find collections from All Horror October. You can find collections of our uh, director-focused episodes. You can find uh, all the the breweries that are in the pantheon of the five timers club there's also a google map where you can see not just the five timers clubs stuff but every beer we've had from every brewery Everyone. that we've had in all of the city states 12 countries 14 that we've been countries to. carlos i meant 14 to correct you. Yeah. oh motherfucker 14 countries at this point over 400 beers uh it's it's really uh very interesting to look at because I mean, you know, if you listen, if you've ever listened to this podcast before, you know we have IPAs, we have stouts, we have sours, we have uh, fucking lambics, farmhouse ales. But, I mean, we had every kind of beer that you could possibly There's imagine. Some kind from of so many we, somebody, listeners, the, 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 chime we've in. Had, we've had, had smoke beers. Beers. I want I want somebody to tell us about the beer style we haven't covered because we have blind spots. I'm sure. Let, uh, let we, us know I, if, if you want to put mead in there. Maybe we haven't had a mead yet. Okay, uh, but I'm just, I bet there's something we haven't there covered. Might be, there might be. There might be. Tell us. Um, tell us. Tell us. Uh, you can find us on Patreon if you want to help out the show a little bit. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. We referenced that at the top of the second half of the episode, that there might be quite an interesting uh, after hours this week. Uh, but yeah, it's only $5 a month. Extra episode every single week. It's fantastic. And you're the first to know about exciting things. Like, for instance, our merch, which you can now get if you haven't already mm-hmm. uh, be, been put onto this yet. David is wearing his beer in a movie I sure shirt right now, designed by Jacob Cezanne, a good friend of the show. And uh, you can get a mug. I ditched the mug this week for proper glass. I'm back to proper glass. That's good, yeah. Um, keep, keep the mug for the coffee. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Important. you can get shirts, mugs, notebooks, stickers. We'll get a glass uh, eventually, folks. Don't you worry. But, yeah, but, we, we will get a glass eventually. Yeah. Hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, long sleeves, all of that stuff you can get on tpublic.com slash user slash beer and movie or the link is on our website as well. So you can find that. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. That helps the algorithm put the show in front of more beer lovers and movie movie lovers all across uh the nation the world uh the galaxy um and that really helps us out a lot because we do this to share our love of beer and movies with build you, that the community folks. we do we do we do between um, this week and last week our our ipa quotient is already up in 2022 yeah we it was a light ipa year in 2021 mm-hmm. but 2022 it looks like we're kind we're of doubling down start. and rectifying that um yeah who knows what's going to happen throughout the From rest here of the on year. out, all meads. <laughs> all meads. Uh, hashtag all meads 2022. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on yeah. anymore. Uh, See you next week. Yeah. Until next time. There are certain rules to surviving. Oh.